Welcome to Featured Insights, presented by Caroline Economic Development. I'm your host, Debbie Bowden. This podcast is for all size businesses in Caroline County and the Eastern Shore of Maryland to learn from experts at the local, state, and national level. We hope that you gain insights that can help your business run more effectively. Good morning, Heather Harding. Thank you for for joining me. I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself and tell your own story, but we're here today to talk about one of the topics that's really focusing around workforce and the labor market issue, and that is daycare, childcare providers, and and the lack of providers or the lack of awareness of uh, providers that are out there in Caroline County. So go ahead and introduce yourself so the listeners understand who I'm talking with today, and then we'll go ahead and dive right in into this very complex and sometimes difficult topic. Okay. Thank you, Debbie, for inviting me here today. Um, I am currently the acting supervisor for Caroline County Early Head Start for the Caroline Judy Centers in both Federalsburg and Greensboro and the Caroline County Parents as Teachers Home Visiting Program. Okay. Talk about, before you go on, talk about Judy Centers because there is some confusion about what that is and how that program came about. Okay. So the Judy Centers are designed, it's only in Maryland, first of all. Okay. And they are designed to serve children and families zero to five and looking at filling those gaps and understanding where the children are. So okay. in, in regards to child development, but also in regards to their full-time care. Mm-hmm. We are looking for children in the county that are not already enrolled in a program, be it a family child care provider, be it a um, center care, be it early head start. Okay. And we want to be able to give their parents and them an opportunity to have that experience. Mm-hmm. So we do play groups, we do family events, very big on family engagement, very big on supporting uh, P3, pre-K, kindergarten, also working with our partners, early Head Start, Head Start, and we have family providers that are partners as well. So we're really trying to feed into those families and those children. So I think that's an important part of this is that you're supporting the family by providing a parent or parents a place to have their child go and work on their development. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, we're seeing that shift in childcare over the last 25 years. It's not just plop a kid at a place and give them lunch and, you know, mom and and dad can go work. It's really about taking that opportunity to engage the child and have them start learning and learn how to learn in school. Um, And so with that, then the Judy Center, you mentioned another part of that, and that's Early Head Start. So can you provide a little bit of context of what Early Head Start Head Start and the Judy Centers all mean? So only in Caroline County are the Judy Centers and Early Head Start as closely tied. Okay. Typically, it's two separate programs. Gotcha. It just so happens that we happen to be in one building and we run simultaneously. Early Head Start is designed to work with children and families zero to three. Okay. Then we have Head Start, which is in a different building, and they work with children and families three and four. Okay. Um, Early Head Start's approach also is a two-generational model. So we're really looking at those caregivers. The early childhood field in the past 20 years has really adapted to be early childhood educators. Gone are the days of babysitting. 
right? I've right. been in this for 20 years. I haven't sat on a baby yet. Okay? <laughs> yes. It's all about that care. It's about that quality. It's about the bond. The bond between the caregiver and the child, whether they're in a daycare setting or a child care setting or mm-hmm. if they're with their parent. Right. Really forming that commitment, that bond together. When we talk about early Head Start, we want to talk about the fact that I think it just turned, I think Head Start turned 58 this month. Oh, wow. Right? So it's been around for a long time. Yeah. Head Start, early Head Start started about that war on poverty. Mm -hmm. So it really targeted the children who are coming from low-income households, trying to give them that opportunity that maybe they wouldn't necessarily have. Because as we're talking about childcare in general, there is a cost factor Mm -hmm. that prohibits some. So Early Head Start's designed to be able to mitigate that factor. And during pre-pandemic and the labor market starting to tighten and employers were trying to get employees to be able to come in, there were choices that parents had to make, whether they were low income or at a higher level, whether or not they could afford childcare. Then COVID came in and a lot of the businesses um, that have probably a high turnover of folks were seeing that they had no labor because it was dangerous or the the scheduling just was uh, crazy or parents started having to teach from home. And so the childcare aspect of that shifted. And now you're seeing, again, this really extremely tight labor market where people have to make a choice whether or not they can afford to work or if they can afford to have childcare. So early Head Start, Head Start, Judy Centers, home uh, family providers, et cetera, all are trying to figure out what to do in this new world, in this new way of the workplace and the workers engaging. Um, so we talked the other night, you you had me come out and I thought I was going to share some economic development information with some family child care providers. Um, but instead, I learned from them. So um, before, I guess before we go to that, let's, we've kind of been using a lot of terms here, identify the different you called centers and family, and then there's school-based and development-based, kind of give a context of where a parent of a young child, say under seven, could have options to have that child go for early education. So regardless of whether we're looking at a family child care home, if we're looking at a large child care center, or if we're looking at something like publicly funded, such as Early Head Start or Head Start, uh, it all falls, falls under Maryland State Department of Education Office of Child Care. Okay. Right? There's a licensing yes. division. Okay. Maryland Family Network also runs a locate service. So oh, okay. under that, you can go to MSDE Locate and you can search for licensed care in your county and you can fill out a bunch of other little questions if you wanted to and filter out and it will populate for you a list of providers in your area. Let's. Can you talk about that more in detail so that the listeners, someone who's listening that's in HR maybe and has some employees that need to find some care or somebody who's listening that needs that again, talk about that locate again and if you could give a website and say it twice so people who are listening can capture that. So if you go to the Maryland State Department of Education website, MSDE, okay, and you type in locate, L-O-C-A-T-E, mm-hmm. all caps, it will populate. It will come right up. Wow. You just okay. click on the locate and it will walk you through. It's a process. 
So that's an easy way for those parents who are thinking, wow, I've lost my daycare provider. I have lost my early education provider. I moved here. Whatever the case may be, I changed jobs to really find that that resource. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Look, go ahead and, and continue on about the different types of providers. Well, basically, the, 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 that is the different types of providers. Okay. The biggest thing, and one of the things we talked about the other night, is we are now trying to identify where are the kids. Prior to COVID, Caroline County had approximately 126 early childhood providers licensed in the county. Currently, we are down to 61. Wow. That's 61. That's a combination of the family child care homes. That's air three uh, early Head Start centers, air two Head Start centers, and then we have three private centers, mm-hmm. but 61 total to wow. cover the whole county. Wow. And so uh, not half of the kids, though, right? Correct. So that's where we're at. We're trying to look and find, and this is a component of the Judy Center. We should we, we should be doing this work anyway, but gotcha. now it's critical for us mm-hmm. to figure out where these kids are going. Mm-hmm. My speculation is during COVID, when daycares did close for a period of time and you weren't able to go to care, people were able to come up with different avenues that worked for them. Mm-hmm. So whether it's that parents are doing split shifts mom's working at night or dad's working at night, the other one's home during the day type of thing. Right. Um, Or they're using family or they're using unlicensed care. Mm -hmm. And we kind of talked about that the other night. Unlicensed care presents two possibilities. One, we're looking at the fact that maybe those children are not getting that high quality, that development, you know, really being able to hone in on their milestones. Right. But the other thing is that also provides a risk. Mm -hmm. It provides a risk for the child and it also provides a risk for the person that's providing that care. Right, right. So we're, we keep referring to the other night, and so I, and I kind of touched on that, but let me talk a little bit more about that. So you and I had met, and this idea that's kind of surfacing around through human services, counsel, through economic development is there is that need. There is half of the providers, there are half of the businesses that were providing child care in two or three years. They're, they're gone. You don't know right now what the the demand side is. You know the supply, the 61 or so. You don't know what the demand is, and you're looking at that. But we're still seeing, um, you know, the same population of people, workers with children under a certain age that would need care. So looking at from that economic development side, this idea of how can we help more people get into the business of providing early childhood education, providing daycare, going beyond just that sitting on a baby, uh, to use your term. Um, So you asked me to come in and talk with some of our uh, folks who are providing early childhood education through their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was all prepared. I have, there's a grant out there that I was going to talk about and, you know, if they needed business, but these are small business owners and they identified problems that were beyond what economic development. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. So there's multiple layers of licensing. Is that correct? That's what I took away with it. If I'm incorrect, please go ahead and correct me now. So I'll I'll use my I statements. I'll go back to my story because I kind of work through various things. Um, Back in 2003, I had this wonderful baby, and I couldn't find a place that I could put him, right? There was nowhere. I lived and worked in Federalsburg, and I could not find care. That was 20 years ago. Wow. I ended up going to Longwoods, so on the other side of Easton Airport, in order to take him to a daycare provider. So I would go, drop him off, and then go back and pick him up. And I lived and worked within three blocks of each other. 
So there was my issue. Yeah. I decided to open my family child care home, right? So I ran my family child care home for three years. There's one level of, of licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, when he grew up and he no longer really needed me to be at home, I decided it was time for me to go out and find a job. So during that time, I had used the child care professional development fund. Okay. And gone back to school to get my degree in early childhood. Because although I was a mom, just because you have given birth to that child doesn't mean you understand parenting, doesn't mean you really know what to do with them. Right. And then I brought in seven more, right? So I really needed to find out what could I do to make our days go well, Mm -hmm. and also to impart that learning aspect that I wanted for my own child. So going back to school, I was able to get a degree. Okay. And I went to the early childhood, um, early Head Start program at the Fettlesburg Judy Center. Started as a teacher. So there's your next layer of licensing, working at a center. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Worked at the uh, as a teacher, a two-year-old teacher in the Fettlesburg Judy Center for a couple of years. Moved up to the lead teacher at the Family Support Center in Denton. Did that for a couple of years. Moved up to the Child Development Coordinator position for Early Head Start, where I was able to then work across the buildings and across the classrooms and help other teachers start honing their skills and building their education. That is one wonderful thing about what has happened in our field over the past few years, Mm -hmm. several years, is that there are great ideas about how to educate the providers, how to give you opportunities to grow in the profession and as a person. So that is a wonderful thing. And a lot of the ladies that you talked about the other night or met the other night, they are using those tools. Awesome. Right? The problem that we have now is finding these kids, making sure parents know what's available to them, making sure that parents have affordable options, Mm -hmm. but that also those providers, those business owners are making a livable wage. Right. And so... What you just described is what every small business owner goes through. You saw a need, so there was there was a market. You developed your own business. You went through to educate and certify and get all of the requirements you needed to meet the licensing, which again translates into all kinds of business. Um, other people are doing that, and they can make a choice what level of, not level of care, but what type of um, provider they want to work in. You you did your your own home, and then you went into a duty center, and now you're you're crossed uh, several of those types of providers, and then you're looking at the marketing, and that's really what I walked away with after I could think of the other night of what the those uh, small business owners were saying is how do we have we have the we have the tools, we have the place, we have all the certifications and the licensing. Now we need to market ourselves. And how do we market ourselves to let parents know that this is someplace that you can bring your your child? And that's where we don't have an answer today because that's what we need to, to work on. Um, and then the the business side of it, making sure that they stay in business. And so probably I would imagine that most people who are involved in this don't understand that um, the there's limits on how many children can be in a certain center or under certain guidelines. Correct. So the state is saying, no, you can't build your business any more than this if you want to meet certain criteria. So imagine any other business, you know, a restaurant say, having somebody say, you can only serve so many meals, you know? So they have to go with that. And then given the fact that we're in a lower income county, that market 
You're not going to get three or $400 a week for a child because it just isn't going to bear it. So, um, so as you're working with your providers and looking at that, the, what ideas are they having for having that market and getting out there to let parents know that they're available, that they have spots available, and that they can work with the parents? So we do it several ways, um, and there's a difference between how a family child care home will do it versus how a center will do it versus how someone like Early Head Start would do it. Okay. Right? So we were talking the other night, and I had shared with the family providers that one of the strategies I had was I created a flyer for myself, and I put the flyer throughout my community. I also put the flyer out to the HR departments in the industrial parks. Right. You know, that is one great thing that we have in Caroline County. We have industrial parks. We have some businesses that we could be targeting so that when somebody, an employee or so, comes to, to their HR person and says, you know, I can't come in today because I don't have child care, if we right. give them that tool to be able to say, wait a minute, I know somebody, and be able to put that out there. Let me interrupt you and kind of uh, hit on that again from the HR person's perspective. If you ha- get information from a daycare provider, ch- an early childhood education provider, please feel free to share that. That's helping your employee with what they need. And it's also building a local small business. Right. And sharing that locate website as well, Mm -hmm. because that is a tool where you can go on. And like I said, you can filter it out. You can decide if you want a family provider that has a dog, if a family provider, you know, whatever they, whatever the case may be, there's several ways to filter out that information and find the person that's going to fit your need. Wow. Okay. Yep. Um, For early head start and centers, same thing. We put the information out there. It might be flyers. It might be actually taking out an ad, you know, to say, Mm -hmm. here we are. This is, you know, this is what we can offer. Um, And Caroline County, that's, that's another avenue for us about how can we get our providers to get the word out, you know, a format such as this. Right, right. To bring awareness. Exactly. That they're, again, looking at it from that marketing standpoint of there are, there's supply now. It may not be pre-COVID, it's been cut in half, but those small businesses are having trouble finding people to be placed. And I wonder if it's also this idea of of language, right? You have a babysitter or you have a daycare or you have an early childhood education and Really, the point is that a worker who has a child wants to make sure that their child is put into a place with a person where they're safe, where they're um, offered opportunities and uh, to to learn, to socialize, and all of the centers, all of the family-based care provides that when they're when they're licensed. When they're licensed, and there is a place in MSDE that you can go child check and you can look at their licensing reports. Okay. So you can look, you can do some background information on your provider to say, this is, you know, they've been in business this long. This is what their licensing inspections look like. There's, there's tools out there to help you make a good decision Mm -hmm. so that you can feel like you are really entrusting your most valuable possession, Right. you know, to a person that you could then feel like you can go make your living for the day and come back. Yeah. So I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention that just today, the biggest thing I'm taking away from this is daycare, again, using kind of that colloquial term, early childhood education, you find that information under the Maryland State Department of Education's website. There's not a child care early education website. So uh, for those of you listening, if you're looking for, or your employees are looking for information that Heather mentioned about the the 
the licensing, the locate, et cetera, go to the Maryland State Department of Education. And um, I don't know what that website is. Uh, maybe we can find that. Um, our production team can find that, and I can go ahead and spell that out for us. Um, so, you know, you talked a little bit about your your own uh, journey starting 20 years ago, but you also were a small and outside of the home base early education, early childhood education, you were a small business uh, entrepreneur too, right? With uh, you were in real estate, is that correct? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I was a property manager. So okay. prior, well, prior, yeah. So prior, a harder to, part of real estate. <laughs> <laughs> prior to going into the early childhood field and opening okay. my home daycare, I was a property manager for low income apartment communities okay. on the Eastern Shore. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, wow. I can only imagine if you were still in that role right now, how difficult that would be because with rents and lack of available space, um, that's a whole other you know podcast that we've got to cover sometime. Exactly. <laughs> so in a perfect world, let's say that you know all of the providers um, were able to connect with all of the people who need to have um, their ch- their children taken care of. What would you say, what would be a big strategy that you would say to improve early childhood education in Caroline County? Big picture, uh, I think we need to do twofold. What we haven't talked about yet is the fact that although we have 61 family child care homes incorporating those couple of centers, we do have a staffing shortage, not only of family child care homes, but we have a staffing shortage in our centers. Um, Early Head Start right now could be operating 14 classrooms, and we are currently operating uh, seven and a half. Wow. Simply because we do not have the qualified staff to open those other rooms. So I think we have to, in order to address child care in our county, we have to look at it twofold. We have to find those children and make sure that those children are first and foremost being taken care of properly, that they are being given all the advantages, and that they're meeting their milestones. Gotcha. Right? And then the second piece is we need to empower people and empower uh, new students, possibly new graduates, those in college, to be entering that early childhood field and get them into the workforce. Wow. Any idea what that deficit is for for staffing, like just generally countywide? I don't know exactly countywide, but I can can speak to my partners that I work with on a regular, and Early Head Start and Head Start are facing the same consequences, that we have the spaces available, we just don't have the teaching staff to be able to offer those spaces to all the children. And so I, I think that's part of what I've learned about Head Start, at least. I'm a little bit more familiar with that, is that when you don't have the staff, it's not like a school system where you have a class, you bring in a substitute. If you don't have the staff, you can't pr- open that up. Correct. Because like we said, not just anybody can do it. You do have to be qualified. So we've talked about the fact that our licensing comes through the Maryland State Department of Education. There is criteria set by COMAR as to what you need in order to be able to be considered that senior staff, that teacher in that child care setting. And as you implied earlier, there are ratios. So for a family child care home, they may have eight children. Only two of them can be under two. Okay. So that's six over two, two under two, and that's the max that they can have in any one time in their classroom. Right. If you're looking at early Head Start ratios, we're not only impacted by licensing regulations, we're also impacted by early Head Start performance standards. So error ratios for under two is a three to one. So it's three children under the age of two to one teacher, mm-hmm. and it would be six total in that classroom. 
Wow. Two-year-olds, error ratio is one to four or eight total with two teachers. It's just, it's mind-boggling. It, it is it mind-boggling. very much is. <laughs> well, I think we're at our time limit. I want to thank you again for coming out and talking with us. Um, anything, well, you know, give the locate. Maryland State Department of Education, type in locate, and then you'll be able to, to find those providers. Um, anything else you'd like to share for our, our listeners who we hope are all business people or in the business or need childcare or want to start a childcare facility or want to get into the workforce? Uh, anything that you'd like to end with? Um, absolutely. If anybody wanted to reach out to me in Caroline County, we're going to continue this work, not only through the Judy Centers, but just because it is a passion of mine being in the field. Um, I'm looking forward to working with you and Caroline Economic Development to oh, see how you. we can continue this partnership. We're also going to be tying in the Resource Center to see how we can uh, put the word out and empower more people to join the early childhood workforce. Um, it's a need, but it's also a passion. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to how we can t- continue to partner and make this happen. I think Caroline County businesses and workers are uh, benefiting from your passion. And I thank you for providing the the insight today. Um, would you mind sharing uh, any contact information? Sure. Heather Harding. Uh, I'll put my cell number out there because everybody has it anyway. It's okay. 443-786-4118. Say it again, please. 443-786-4118. Or you can ch- uh, catch me at email at harding.heather at ccpsstaff.org. Okay. Heather, thank you so much for coming out. We appreciate it and look forward to working with you. Thank you. So we hit the stop record button and you shared some great information. So I wanted to go ahead and add this on as the last part of this podcast. Please share what you just talked about. So um, I was trying to explain that Chesapeake College was just awarded a rebuilds grant. It's about 1.4 and some change million dollars, and they're looking at apprenticeship programs. Great. The apprenticeships can be for people who want to work in the center setting. They okay. could be for a family child care home setting. And we're actually working with uh, Chesapeake College. They're going to go back to MSDE and see if we can work out a way for it to impact high school students. That is fantastic. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, as I said before, there's that child care professional development fund. MSDE has really done a lot of forward thinking for our field. They have set up several pathways. One pathway that they have set up for their apprenticeships in the high school setting is through the CDA. So the CDA is the Child Development Credential Associate. Okay. It's a national credential. It's kind of like your baseline of saying, I'm here, right? Right. It involves you getting the uh, coursework that's necessary in order for you to be considered senior staff in a child care setting for a, sen- for a center. That is fantastic. What that will also do, and with that apprenticeship, that apprenticeship would allow a high school student to get that coursework and okay. to get their observable hours done before they graduated. So you would actually graduate being able to join the workforce wow. automatically. That's fantastic. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. And so we'll go ahead and end on that. Any more information? Again, you've given your contact information. If anybody is interested in that, and we'll make sure that we let high schoolers know that this is a pathway for them in the future. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. We're okay. waiting for Chesapeake to confirm, but okay. hopefully that's going to come about. Yes. Great. Thanks, Heather. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Featured Insights and look for us on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you.